All right, so who can tell me in one word? Who can tell me in one word what we covered last week? Jesus. <laughs> Another word. What was that? Who said that? Riley. Yeah, righteousness. Righteous Riley. That's good. I like that. What does that mean? Righteousness. That's a Christian buzzword. I don't know what you're talking about, Riley. Come on, break it down. God made us righteous, who we are, mm. our identity in Christ. <coughs> but I sinned last night, so... He wiped that away. He, he dealt with it. It was done and dealt with. He doesn't need to do the cross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Well, there's a little role play we got going here. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, so last week, I read the Bible, and then I, I, I told you guys what the Bible said, and the Bible says that God doesn't see you for what you've done. Do you guys get that? God sees you for who Jesus is and who Jesus revealed you to be. He sees you as perfect, righteous, holy, and blameless. <coughs> if you are in Jesus, if you have faith in Him. If not, He still sees you for that potential and He'll chase you after that until you get it, but not yet. So there's, some, there's more for you if you don't know Jesus. There's more for you. And like I said, all you do, open your heart and say, I want it. Awesome. Um, so, last week, so we think, we think God's not fun, but that was the funnest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> we that, think, we that think, means anything I've ever experienced. Yeah, there you go. See, like, and like, okay, like, sorry to put you on the spot, Ben, but like, you've done drugs in your life, right? Mm, yeah. What's better, drugs or Holy Spirit? And don't lie to me. Holy Spirit. I, I should, I'll just do a real quick testimony. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we were down at the Australian Open and Surfing with some of the dudes and like Christian surfers and we were just like preaching the gospel and like praying for people and stuff. Yeah. And um, I saw these d dudes like down at the beach and I knew they were smoking weed and I was like, oh, I'll go over. And like, I was like, just told them a bit of my testimony and I was like, guys, I used to do this and I was like, I found so something so much better and I was like, and it's Holy Spirit. And I was like, do you guys want to like experience him right now? And they're like, yeah, I guess. And so I was like, okay, oh. like God, your presence just fall on this man right now. And he was like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> and I was like, is that better than weed or what? And then I was just, just preaching them about yeah. that. And they're like, what the heck? Sick. And now they're so good. Yeah. Wow. Because yeah, so it's a Come million on. times better. Even a dude that's not a Christian knows it's better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. A million times better. That's awesome. See, like, I don't know. I think we get lied to a bit that like Jesus is all about religion and rules and boring stuff and church attendance and. Oh, last night you did this and I saw that happen. I'm super angry at you. You're going to throw a lightning bolt at you now, give your mum cancer. <laughs> Legit. I, I, people think that. People think that in the world. I did wrong, therefore God cursed me with so-and-so and so-and-so. God's good. <laughs> good people don't give other people cancer. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just so simple. But we get so confused. We're trying to figure out God and trying to... Like, oh, but my, this happened to me. I understand it happened to you. I get it happened to you. But there's a devil and he hates you and he hates God and he's going after you and he's lied to you about who God is. Jesus is so much fun and he's full of life. You see how Curtis is full of, li full of life? That's how you were created to be, full of life. And if you remain in him, if you, if you stay in him when attack comes, because attack's going to come, if you stay in him, you'll have that forever and it will never pass away. And Jesus says, you will never taste death if you hold in my word. Do you get that? That what you have right now is never going to leave if you hold in Him. And that's normal. That's normal everyday life. Full of life. Jesus says, I came to bring life and life to the full. You, it feels like you've got full life. Or at least it's getting there. 
like I don't know what else full life could be, but you know what I mean? Like, so good. So awesome. All right. Thank you, Jesus. So Jesus, wow. <laughs> um, Jesus became sin. God made him who knew no sin to be, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So God turned, put our sin on Jesus, crushed his son so he wouldn't have to crush you. And then in so doing, gave you Jesus' perfect life. So he no longer sees you for what you've done. He sees you for your original value, which is a son or a daughter of God. Created as if you were in the Garden of Eden. He's not angry at you. He loves you. God's not angry at you. He's not mad at you. You might not be living a life pleasing to him, but that's different to his love. He will always love you. He loves you so much. I can't even comprehend it. And do you want to know how I know, do you want to know, how I know that? Jesus got crushed instead of you. Like you're supposed to be the one on the cross. Jesus takes you down, puts himself on there and says, no, I'll take this one. I got this. And while he's doing that, he's praying for the people that are spitting on him. <laughs> he's like, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. These are, these are religious people that are hard-hearted. He's ministered to them for three years, called them into him, and they're spitting on him, laughing at him, saying, come on down, son of God. And, he, and he's just, he's so not caring about himself right now. He's caring about them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They'll see one day. So that's God. That's love. Oh, Jesus. So last week I said, like, Jesus was crushed for our sins, so God no, no longer sees you for what you've done. Like, think of the worst stuff that you've done in your life. Everyone's got skeletons in their, closet, in their closets, right? That's a saying. Everyone does. Everyone has things they regret, horrible things from their past. Jesus doesn't see you for that. God doesn't see you for that. He sees you for your created value. And that's what he's always seen. And so I, I proved that last week, didn't I? Didn't I prove that? Didn't I, didn't I not take any verse out of context? Didn't I just, I read Hebrews 9 all the way through. I read every single verse up to the end. I didn't cherry pick different things trying to make an argument. I read the Bible and I said, God said this. Therefore, that means exactly what I just read. <laughs> like, my job's not hard. Whatever it says, that's what it means. And I just said, you've been made righteous. You've been made holy and blameless in his sight. Perfect son and daughter. Son or daughter, sorry. Can't be both. Um, and so this week, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what that practically looks like every day of your life. Like, how do you actually live that out? How does it change tomorrow going to work? How does it change when you relate to your friends, your family, your so on and so forth? How does it change how you relate to the world? How does it change how you relate to your past when someone brings it up? That sort of stuff. All right, so I'm going to make up a story right now because I couldn't think of a real life one, but sometimes you've got to do that. Um, so imagine this uh, father, let's say in Australia, and he's walking along, going to work one day, and he sees this kid begging for food on the side of the street in the city. And he goes, kid, why don't you come work for me? You'll never have to beg for food again. He brings this kid in and he starts making him do stuff. He's basically a servant. Take out the trash, cook my dinner, feed the dog, you know what I mean? Just basic servant kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Taking care of the house. Now, imagine one day they, like, they grew in a relationship and they started to become friends and then there was like a connection there and then one day the dad goes, you know what? Actually, I love you and I don't want you to just be my, my employee anymore. I want, I want to adopt you and I want to bring you into my family. Now, see... Before 
the boy, he would have had to have done what he was told, right? And then he would have got paid what he did. It's just a basic, basic sort of business kind of relationship, <laughs> a contracted relationship. You had to do what you were told, right? And all the secrets and the, the innermost uh, awesome stuff of being in a relationship and being in a family, he wouldn't really be privileged to know or to walk in because he's just an employee. He's like, he's just a servant. Like he doesn't get the benefits of knowing what his, his, um, his dad is thinking because it's just his boss. Is it making sense? I'm just being super basic right now. But then when he got adopted, can you see the whole dynamic of how they relate to each other now has shifted. And now no longer, and you know what? His life actually might look exactly the same in a sense, practically. He might still live at the same house, in the same room, doing the same chores even. But now he no longer does them to get paid or of course he's being commanded to by his boss or he's going to be kicked out of the street. Now he's a son. And what we do as part of members of the family is that we help out each other in this house. And then it turns from this like, oh, I have to into now I get to because I'm part of the family. Is this making sense? Just basic kind of story, right? Now, that is the transformation that you go through when you enter into Jesus. You were once a slave. Like if you're not in Jesus, you are a slave to sin. You, are, you will always continue in sin. It says, uh, Jesus says, those who practice sin are slaves to sin. You can't break out of it even if you really, 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 really want to. You can't because you need help. You need the Spirit of God in you, working in you and empowering you to break out of it, right? But that's who you were. That's no longer who you are. Actually, now you were a slave and now you've been made a son. And being brought into the family being given sonship, you now get certain privileges. If the father passes away, you inherit what he gets, right? That's what sons get. Um, what's another example? You get to be part of intimate emotional conversations. You, you get to be able to relate to each other. You get to be able to hear his secrets, hear his thoughts, hear his heart. See how I'm relating this? See, it's no longer a boss-employee relationship, slave-master relationship. It's father-son relationship, father-daughter relationship. I, you don't try and earn my love. I love you. And that's the, the statements out there. And then you get to live from that. You live knowing that you are loved and you can't lose that. And see, see how that changes your heart from, oh, I have to do these things to, no, I get to because I'm loved. And I just want to bless my dad. He's been so kind to me. Of course I do the dishwasher in the morning. It's not even a big deal. You've given me a home. You've given me a place to live. You've given me purpose and, and wisdom and love and a family. You've given me so much, God. Is that making sense? Jesus. If you want to read more about that, go read Galatians chapter 4. That's what I just said, that story, is exactly what that chapter is about. You were once a slave, but you've been made sons. And, so, and it says, I, I was reading this yesterday, God sees you as a son, so he sent the spirit of his son into you, crying, Daddy. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> okay. <sighs> okay. Okay, okay, Jesus. So yeah, like I just said, Jesus says in, in John chapter 8, 34 to 36, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you. And when he says that, he means, you're probably not going to believe this, but I promise it's true. 
<laughs> he puts that qualifier at the beginning. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The son does not, sorry, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. If the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. So you guys know the slave can only stay in the house as long as he's employed. As long as he's got a job there, he can stay in the house. But the son remains forever. And the son's been freed from having to do anything. The son just gets to live there. That's the privilege of being in a family. You are loved and there's always a home here for you. And Jesus says, so if the son sets you free, capital S, the son, that's talking about him. If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So who's been set free by Jesus? Yeah, put your hand up if you've been set free by Jesus. Come on, then you're free. You'll be, you're free indeed. Don't act like you're not free. Don't think you're not free. You are free. So much transformation will come from your life when you just receive that. And you go, you know what? Yeah, I am free. Screw thinking I'm still fighting my old past. Screw thinking I'm still fighting this man that's like tempting me, my old man. My old man's dead. I have been set free. Jesus has given me every single reason to walk in righteousness. I no longer have to walk in anything. I'm not, that's not part of who I am. <laughs> Freedom. No one hates that word either. Freedom. You guys seen Braveheart? <laughs> Freedom! That's what the whole movie's about. Freedom. That everyone's caught in slavery and he goes, that's not good enough. I'm going after freedom. William Wells, whatever the name is. Gives his life for it. It's worth fighting for. Galatians 5.1. What does it say? Um, for, freedom. for freedom, Christ has set you free. You're supposed to live a life of freedom. That's, that's your birthright. That's your privilege as being part of the family. You guys following? Awesome. Jesus. Okay. Wow. Okay. And what I want to say from that, if you're free, this is what you're free from. You are free from sin. You are free from the law, having to do stuff to please God, to be a certain person. You are freed from the enemy's hold over us. That's also what Galatians 4 says. You are enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. You're enslaved to demons, basically it's saying. You don't think you are, but that's kind of, that's part of the slavery, is that you think you're free, but you ain't. But you is, in Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, it's my, my inner gangster coming out. It's good. <laughs> um, so, here's what I'm going to prove to you tonight from the Bible. Prove. I said prove. I'm not messing around. This is my opinion. I am going to prove it to you. It is everywhere in the Word. We have been freed from sin and all its effects and its power over us. We are now free to walk as Jesus did in relationship with God, loving other people. We've been freed from all the crap and freed into a life of love, following after Jesus. Because He lives through us now. Galatians 2.21 No longer I live, Jesus lives through me. And was he free? Man, he was so free. He was not offended at all. And he had every reason to be. He had every reason to be hurt, feel betrayed. My 12 disciples, they left me when I went to the cross. I spent three years with those guys. Where were they? When I needed them the most. You can't even imagine him saying that because it's just like, I'm not hurt by you. I'm hurting for you. You shouldn't have done that. Do you know what I mean? He, said, he doesn't, his, 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 uh, your opinion of him doesn't make him. He knows exactly who he is. And you can be like that too, when no one can tear you down. 
Like you walk up to someone or I heard a story during the week, someone in Manly walked up to someone and said, hey man, Jesus loves you. And then this person replied back, dude, you just absolutely ruined my day. That, that's, that's, that's not the response that you want, but that's what, was it, was it Brad that did that, Brad Wall? Yeah, that's what Brad got. And so what's he gonna do with that? Be like, oh, I'm just trying to love you. Are you kidding me? Like, you know what? Jesus, not for you. See you, man. On your way. See, if you, if you had an ego, you'd probably do that. But Jesus removes your ego because you know exactly who you are because you're loved by God and you're a son. Yeah. <laughs> More. <laughs> Jesus. Um, okay, I wrote this down. We no longer ever have to sin ever, 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 ever again. You're <laughs> ever again. <laughs> your very nature. Okay, here's why you no longer have to sin ever again. Because your very nature has been remade into the image of Jesus, right? And I get there's a progressive thing in that as you're transformed with a renewing of your mind. And if you do sin, the Bible says you have an advocate, you have a lawyer. Jesus is defending you before the throne of God saying, I don't know why he did that, shouldn't have done that, but he's defending you, right? But you never have to sin anymore. Whereas before, you did. You always were going to. It's inevitable. It's an ongoing cycle. There's no breaking out of it. Okay. Your very nature has been changed and we now have a grace from God, which means we have an, an empowerment from God to walk just as Jesus did. 1 John 2, 6 says, anyone who claims to be in him must walk exactly how he walked. That's a Bible verse. I didn't make that up. If you're claiming to be in Christ, who's claiming to be in Christ? Then you should walk exactly as he walked. Oh, but Nathan didn't mean that. It meant this, this and that. Where are you getting that from? Why not just receive it? It feels impossible. It seems impossible. But that's what he says. See, God views you as way higher than you think of yourself. You have actually probably a quite a low view of yourself compared to what God sees in you. It says he has blessed you in Ephesians 1 with every. Say every. every. Another word for that is all. <laughs> all spiritual blessings he said over you. There's nothing that he, couldn't have, that, that he could have said that he, he didn't say. Everything. Holy, blameless, righteous, my son, I love you. You're amazing. Let's do this together. <laughs> See, God likes you more than you do, I reckon. I'm preaching to myself right now because I feel like sometimes I wake up and just like, am I, am I good, am I that? God's like, yeah, man, you are. Believe it. Believe it. Believe what I say. Feels too good to be true, right? In fact, Jesus would say that about us. That's why you need faith. And that's why I spent so long on talking about faith. Go listen to those talks if you haven't listened to them yet. You need to. You can't, you, can't, you can't receive what I'm saying unless you have faith. Because it feels so out of your mind and your experience. We, we so live just by what we see and what everyone else around us is doing. You can't do that, guys. You can't. You're made for more than that. All right. Flip open your Bibles. Romans chapter 5. Remember how last week I... I read Hebrews 9. Oh, wait. Yeah, it was Hebrews 9 and Hebrews 10. That's right. Sorry. I just read it. Well, that's what I'm going to do tonight. Read a whole chapter. So, Romans chapter 5. It's about 90% of the way through your Bible if you're struggling to find it. Bless you. Bless you. Jesus. <laughs> All right, ready? 
You guys ready? For the Bible? Jesus. Awesome. Romans chapter 5, starting from verse 18. Therefore, all right, stop with that. Um, whenever, whenever you jump in and it says therefore, that means because of everything that I just wrote, I'm going to conclude da 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 da. Right? Like when the, Bible, when the Bible says therefore or when it says so. So people say when you see a therefore, you've got to ask what it's there for. Like that one? Like that one. Um, so what did he just say? Well, what he just said was death came through Adam, life came through Jesus. Death spread to all men through sin and life is spreading to all men through righteousness, through what Jesus has done. So Adam was this. You can see your old self in Adam, by the way. That's who you were. And now Jesus is this. Two polar opposites. That's what he just said. So let's keep reading. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life. Wow. For all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. That verse is amazing for seeing who you were and now who you are, if you're in Jesus. You were a sinner through one man's disobedience. Adam ate of the tree, sinned, fell from the glory of God, right? And then all of humanity was cursed because of that because he was their representative. And then all were made righteous through the act of Jesus, right? And now you are no longer a sinner. Keep reading. Verse 20. Now, the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So God brought this law that said, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, 636 commands, something like that. A lot of commands. And what it did was it actually made sin go up because they realized how far they actually were from walking in the image of God, which is how they were created, right? We've already covered all this, so I'm just going to give it a quick recap. So, as the law came in and told you don't covet, then you realize what you're doing, then you realize that when you were coveting, that was actually a sin. And your conscience was violated from that, and then sin increased. Does that make sense? But look at the next part. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So you might feel like, man, you don't, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how far I've actually gone in this world. You don't know how I've treated people. You don't know what I've done. Jesus, there's no way he could forgive me. Well, apparently here it says where sin increased, like the deeper sin got, the deeper grace went. The further you went from him, the further he had to go. But he went there. And then some. So don't say, I'm not worthy of of his blood the cross screams that you are but not because of what you've done but because of who you are you're a lost son that's your value verse 21 so that as sin reigned in death grace might also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through jesus christ our lord so what paul is saying is as sin ramped up grace went all the more so everything you did wrong grace made it all all sweet again and then, he's, and then he's going, man, I'm, make, I'm making such a good case for this. You might be tempted to think that, oh, well, then what's the point of like, what's the next thing he says? Uh, chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? Why don't I just keep sinning then? Because the further I go, the further God's going to go for me, right? So that's what Paul's addressing here. So that's chapter 6. This is where we're going to get all our truth from. So 
Chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Underline who in that. So, if you're in Jesus, what does Paul say you are in this sentence? We are those who have died to sin. This is the first of 44 deaths in chapters 5 to 8. He says, you died, it was dead, death, crucified, dead, dead, death, 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 your old self died, flesh died, crucified, dead, died, dead, death, death, died, died. <laughs> He's trying to prove a point here because you'll argue with him, yeah, but I still feel tempted, I still feel this, I still feel that. He goes, your old man died times 44 so that you might believe it. And that's one of the first. <laughs> how can we who died to sin still live in it? See, that, see, that, see how he's talking about identity there? You ask a question and you go, but like, can we just continue in sin because grace is going to just cover it all? And he goes, don't you know who you are? <laughs> don't you know who you are? You are those who have died to sin. How the heck can you keep on living in it if you've died to it? That makes no sense what you're asking. That's the key, out of sin. If you're trapped in a, in a cycle of sin, you keep on doing what you don't want to do. The key is identity. Know who you are. The, the main verse I'm going to pull out from this chapter, verse um, 11. Just skip down there for one second. We'll cover it more in depth later. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is chapter 6 of Romans. So the six chapters before this. That is the first command. There's been no, no other commands in the entire book. And it says, you must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Do you guys consider yourselves that way? Or are you still like, oh, I'm still growing, Nath. I'm still struggling. Like, it's actually really hard. Like, you're putting a lot of pressure on me right now. I don't like this. It doesn't start like that. It actually says, even in the next uh, verse 13. Wait, was it verse 13? Yeah, verse 13. But halfway through, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as your members to God as instruments of, for righteousness. Who here has honestly before God presented themselves as as someone who has been brought from death to life? Who does that in their heart, in their mind, every day? Because that's what He's asking you here. Present yourselves to God that way. Speak to God and say, God, I know what you did for me. You destroyed my old man. You crucified him on the cross. He's dead. And now I am no longer a slave to sin. I am dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Start every day like that. And you watch that sin that's got you tight. You watch that try and hang on for dear life. Because it won't be able to. Because that you're speaking truth and truth will overcome that. Alright, let's go back up to verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So you guys seen people get baptized, right? They are in the water. They're upright like this. Someone's holding them. And then they go, baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Down. Paul says, when you went down, when you're getting baptized, that's when you connected to the death of Jesus on the cross. 
So as Jesus died and was buried, you went down with him. But not you, as in who you are now, who you were, your old self, went down with him. It's dead. There's no longer a struggle. You guys follow him? Dead, right? Your old self is dead. You were buried with him in baptism. And what's the next part? In order that, so verse 4, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, back up again, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You know those testimonies that Curtis, Curtis was saying before? That's newness of life. <laughs> He's like, three months ago you asked me, I would have been like, oh Jesus, like, yeah, I don't know. And then now, boom, newness of life. New perspective, every, every area of your, of your life touched and ignited by the fire of God. <laughs> That's for everyone who wants it. That's for everyone who wants it. Jesus. Some translations say, there say, so that you might live a new life. And it's not like, I'm going to try and do good now and be moral and be good and be nice to my neighbor. It's like, no. He has ignited your entire being from the inside out. He's destroyed what part of you became from the fall. He destroyed that. It's dead. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And then he raised it back up. So then he raises back up in you. And now Jesus lives through you. And now all we do is we just follow the ministry of Jesus. Love God, love other people. So simple, guys. We make this so complex. We're like, but Nath, I'm this, I'm that, I'm struggling, I'm this. It's just like, you just receive this. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Receive it. Even just now, receive it. I'm dead to sin. Maybe you've never said that in your mind. Jesus. <laughs> Verse 5. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly... <laughs> we shall certainly... Sorry, I get excited by these words. We shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know... Say no. no. Do you know? Good. We, we think, we believe, we, we're pretty confident. No. We know that our old self was, past tense, crucified. I just can't get through these sentences, they're just too good. With him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to what? Nothing. See the black and white nature of God? <laughs> so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. That verse is incredible. So, how many people do you reckon survived crucifixion back in the day? Zero. That's a good answer. Because it was the one, one of the most brutal ways to die that the human body could ever experience, right? And he just said, we know that our old self was crucified. It's dead. It's not dying. It's not wounded. And you're not in a battle with it. What you're in a battle with is belief. I don't know if that's true, Nath. That feels a little bit... Uh, you're pushing it a bit far. Am I? I am literally reading sentence by sentence here. <laughs> and I'm saying nothing that this is not saying. I've not, I've not 
spoken about some theologian who says his opinion. I'm not drawing on footnotes. I'm not cherry-picking verses. I'm reading the Word. I'm reading God's Word, and it is. Wow. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Verse 7. For one who has died has been, past tense, has been set free from sin. I told you I'd prove it. <laughs> and, it and I said that like it's hard. I, I don't, <laughs> is there any other possible interpretation for what I'm saying right now? Is there any other possible scenario where you go, Nath, I don't know if it's dead. I think it's, it's still in a fight in me. I've heard, I, when I first became a Christian, I said, okay, guys, where does, like, I remember asking this at like, some conference, and they go, I said to them, but where does, like, sin come from once you've, like, become a Christian? And this guy said to me, bless his heart, it's the best that he knew how. I'm not blaming him, but he, he's wrong. He said, no, it's, he's wrong. Um, he said, yeah, it's like two knife-fighting monkeys within you. So you've got the flesh and you've got the new self, and they're always in battle. And sometimes the flesh wins, sometimes the, the, the new self wins. But I don't see that here. I see the old self is dead. I see one dead monkey and one monkey with his dagger raised being like, it's over, it's done. Can you repeat that? Yes, I can. Verse 7, for one who has died has been set free from sin. That's it. That's, that's my sermon. That's my big idea. That's my point. Verse 8. For if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. See how God just didn't stop there? He didn't just make it so that you were dead to sin. He goes, no, no, no we're not stopping there. That's the beginning. That's step one. You know what's going to happen after that? Life. Life in abundance. Newness of life. More Jesus. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. Do you know that you were connected with Him when you went down in baptism, right? And it just says right there that Christ will never die again, right? And death has no longer dominion over Him. That's the same for you then. Death no longer has dominion over you. And I get, in a sense, death in, in its entirety has not been swallowed up yet. 1 Corinthians 15 says, when the trumpet sounds, when the day comes, when... Our, our mortal bodies are taken off and our immortal bodies are put on, that's when death will be fully swallowed up. But death over you, no, 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 has no hold. Jesus said, if you hold to my word, you will never taste death. Either he's lying or he's onto something. So if you want to call him a liar, be my guest, but I wouldn't recommend it because he is the truth, the way, the life. May I ask a question? Yeah, go. Um, so people have asked me here just before, like, are we free from sin? Like the possibility that we can sin, or are we free from the bondage of sin? So like you said then, um, sin equals death, right? Wages of sin is death. Are we free from the, ram the, the ramification of sin, or do we have the capability to sin inside of that as well? Maybe you could explain that. Yeah, sure. That's a good question. No. Yeah, because I think that that's where these, these um, opinions can sort of differ is that people go, oh yeah, but that means that God looks at us and goes, we're just positionally dead to sin. We're still, we're still always going to sin, Nate. Like we're not, we've not fully become into our, our new selves. We, we've not put on the, the, new, the new self fully. It's a, it's a progressive thing. I really struggle to see that in the New Testament. Like I really, really struggle 
Because especially, go read 1 John. It's so blunt. It's the most blunt book in the whole Bible. It's like, if you are, if you are of God, you will no longer continue to sin. But if you sin, if, not when, if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. But if you're, if you're truly born of God, you will not continue to sin. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's actually talking about practical, everyday life sin, right? It's not just talking positionally. Like God sees us this way, but we're actually not. Like that's, I find that confusing. I'm just like, so what am I? Am I this? Am I that? See how humans make it gray, but God's like, it's black and white. Mm. I don't know, is that, do you reckon that answers the question? Yeah, yeah, it's good. I was going to yeah. say as well, um, I think it's in Ephesians, it's like, it talks about before the creation of the world, you were holy and blameless. Mm. Do you like comment on that? Because we've been called like sinners, but now we're like, you got it, you're going to do it later. No, no, I wasn't going to do it later. You know what I mean? Like that's, he's saying just, before you're born, like I viewed you as holy and Yeah, yeah. Like, I chose you and now you're this. Yeah. So is, is that, look, all we're doing is just renewing our mind to his level of revelation of how we are supposed to view ourselves? I think so, yes. But my opinion on that, although I'm not, I'm not as strong on my opinion on this as I am on this, but, sorry, on that as I am on this, my opinion of that is that God saw you for your potential, your value, way before the earth was even created and acted fully out of that. Mm. You know what I mean? Like was moved towards you out of that rather than am I a sinner, am I this, am I that, just all over the place. Like one day he acts to you like this, one day he acts to you like this. He's always seen that as the long-term goal and picture before the foundation of the world. But there was a point where we were by very own natures sinners and trapped in that cycle. That, that's undeniable for me. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, awesome. Good questions though. Anyone else questions? I know this stuff brings up stuff. I'll deal with it more as we go though, if you've got questions. Sweet, more. Um, huh. <laughs> um, verse 9. No, wait, verse 10. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, black and white. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So guess what life you're going to live? Verse 11. So you must also, first command in all of Romans, so you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You've got to get that that's the first command in the whole book. The rest of the book is just theology. What happened? What, what Christ did? What people did? The first command shows up. What is it? Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. If you take no other practical thing away from tonight, take that away. I am someone who has been who is dead to sin. And I'm someone who is alive to God in Christ Jesus. Easy. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Whoa, 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 whoa. Paul, you just said 55,000 times that my old self was dead. Why are you telling me not to let sin therefore reign in my mortal body? So that this is where it hits home because you're like, my experience is I still struggle with sin or I'm still fighting this or I'm still getting there and I'm still this, I'm still that. So that's why he writes, therefore, because of everything I just said, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Right? He's saying, you no longer have a sinful nature. But you know what? Neither did Adam and Eve and they still sinned. And you know how that happened? The enemy tricked them by twisting God's word. Mm, now we're talking. He, he can make you think you're still battling your old man. How? Twisting the Word of God. Making you grow up in an environment where you look down on yourself and down on yourself and down on yourself and never actually take the guts and the strength to approach the throne boldly and say, I am someone who is dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Because it feels wrong. 
because you've been taught otherwise that you're actually this wretch, this worm, this, 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 that, you know what I mean? Talking down, talking down, talking down. So when a verse like this hits, you go, couldn't mean that, move on. See? And he can get you to sin by faith because you believe that you're still a sinner and you're still fighting the old self. But you ain't. The old self is dead. What you're fighting is the enemy and what you're fighting is the, the, the strength to stand and believe what God's word says. That's why everything that does not proceed from faith is sin because you have to receive this by faith. Awesome. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. So that means he would only write that if it's a possibility for sin to reign, in th- reign through you. Who here as like experientially as a Christian has still struggled with sin after they've been saved? There you go. Paul says to you guys, to me included, I have definitely struggled with it after I've been saved. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. How do you do that? He just told you 11 verses before that. The old self is dead. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's how you view yourself. That's the key. So you can have perfect theology of what God is like. And I reckon the church at large has pretty good, at least foundational understanding of what God is like. Like saved by grace through faith. I'm so thankful that someone taught me that when I was younger. Lest I walk off into works and, you know, into more religion. You know what I mean? But maybe we don't have that good of a picture of ourselves. Because it feels right to go, no, 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 I'm pathetic, I'm this, I'm that. Because God's amazing. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Dude, that's religion. That's human mindsets. Do you know what it says in Romans 8 that He's going to glorify you? But we go, no, it's all about the glory of God, glory of God, glory of God. Yeah, it is all about the glory of God. But you know what He does? He glorifies you. You lift Him up, He lifts you up. You lift Him up, He lifts you up. Forever, 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 forever. That's what Jesus modeled. Father, glorify yourself through me and I will glorify myself through you. Build, 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 build. <laughs> Not like, all oh, glory to you, God, don't, don't say anything about me. I just don't want to receive that. I can't believe that about myself. I'm this, I'm that. No, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You have to view yourself that way. When you wake up tomorrow morning, look in the mirror. What are you going to think? Oh, hey, you, dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. How are you going? You still dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> Let's go live like that then. Oh, baby. Come on. More, Jesus. Verse 13. Do not present yourselves... Sorry, do not present your members to sin. Uh, Members is like body, physical nature. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members as God... And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So present yourself to God every day as someone who is righteous. Do that. Present yourself to Him. If you present yourself to me, what would you do? You'd be like, Nath, here I am. I'm this, I'm that. This is my name. This is what I do. Okay, we'll take that and do that to God. I am dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Hmm. Um, verse 14. For sin will have... Oh my gosh, here's another one. For sin will have, even after he just wrote, so I can't even get through the sentence. Um, <laughs> he goes, don't let sin reign in your body. And then he goes, for sin will have no dominion over you. He's declaring that. He's like, it will not reign over you. I know who you are. 
you got to know who you are too. Sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. You're no longer under have-tos, you're under, you're under get-tos. You're no longer a set slave, an employee, taking commands and taking out the trash because you're getting paid for it. You are a son and part of the family or a daughter and part of the family. And because of that, sin will have no dominion over you. Kathy. May I ask a question? Absolutely, you may. <laughs> Yeah. Left, right, and centre. Yeah. And seriously doing it week after week after week. Yeah. It's it's about knowing my identity that will get me through that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Remember when Satan tempted Jesus in the desert? What's the first thing he went after? If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you are, prove it to me. Kathy, if you are a daughter of God, why are you sinning? Kathy, if you are a daughter of God, why is that in your heart? You know what I mean? Going after your identity and you go, devil, frick off in the name of Jesus. The thing with me is that yeah. it's, it's been absolutely everything that I have not been able to control. It's not happened um, because I sinned. It's happened because someone really to, you. to me yes. has had something happen to them. Mm. And it's just been literally week after week after yeah. week. Painful. So it's been on my mind a lot. Yes. Yeah. Because I think I shared with you maybe last week that I was able to overcome when Satan wanted to attack my, my marriage. Yes. Because I knew that I was securing my marriage. Mm-hmm. So I was able to just push him away really quickly and really, really, you know, just tell him to get lost. <coughs> yeah, yeah. And in the circumstances where I haven't got that control, it's still about my, knowing my identity. Absolutely. Oh, sorry. It's <laughs> nuts. Yes, no, come on. Come on. Come in. Okay. Keep going. Yes. I still, I still just get so overwhelmed with okay. the things that are happening. Because you feel out of control or hopeless, like you can't do a thing about it, and it's just this mayhem, chaotic thing. Because mm. even, even when I'm in my best, you know, best time with God, He'll just throw something at me, and I'm not even expecting it, because I yeah. just think I'm, I'm really good, and I'm not expecting it. And it's just, I just, and it's not like He throws one thing. He's at the moment been throwing quite a few of them, mm. you know. No, it's a it's a very good very good question because I think sometimes you'll you'll get this understanding revelation of who you are in Jesus, but then everything around you is just like mayhem. Mm. Like and it's like how do I deal with that? Mm. Well, the thing is you can't really be like in a sense you can. You can pray, believe that God's gonna you know, his hand over the whole situation, right? And have hope. And strengthen that hope because he's good and he always listens and he always says yes to something that's good from his children, right? Yeah. I think with what you're talking about, I think it's you're saying I'm caught in this thing of like I'm hurting for other people. Mm. And that's where the enemy gets you. Is that sort of what you're saying? I think, yeah, like I don't want to 
want to share what the things No, 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 are, you don't have to. I don't. You know, yeah, and he, and, he, yeah, and he seems to choose the one person that I feel can probably hurt me the most and, yeah. and does it to that person a lot. And yeah. I'm just thinking, come on, I've got to get that person out. I'm yeah. getting mad at him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that that no, it's okay. That can be that can be tough. Like I mm. definitely, I'll just say one thing, but I reckon we'll probably deal with that next week, mm. more specifically. <coughs> that's the effects of sin, right? Mm. That's not just sin in you. That's the effects of sin around you. You know what I mean? Mm. So one thing I'll say about that is that Jesus still frees you from that, and so He actually gets you to a place of power, and authority, and hope, and strength, where. Like I said before, Jesus wasn't, this is a different example, but Jesus wasn't offended by anything that happened around him because he was set in stone. And so even I can hear the worst news today and I can know that God's on it and that his angels are on it. And like, that's, that's all I know is that I, I am strong and I am stern. You know what I mean? I heard... That was me last year. Yeah. I was just so, because things Come on. happened last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's where it's just starting to get like Sometimes it is a bit of a time game. Mm. Like Satan doesn't mind waiting. No, he'll just he'll just break you down, break you down, break you down, break you down over like a year. Mm. And then you just get tired. You're just like I'm sick of <coughs> Anyway, I think we'll probably deal with that more next week, but that's a really good question. Um Look, I was gonna read the whole chapter, but I think just time wise we won't. But if you please go and read the rest of the chapter. It's like freaking amazing. The whole book if you want. <laughs> Do it. It's amazing. Um I wanted to touch on, yeah, I wanted to touch on two objections that people often come up with when freedom from sin is preached, right? Um, actually, before I do that, let's just read the last little bit from verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time of those things for which you are now ashamed? How, how did your life live back in the day when you were living under the law by your old self? What fruit did you get? Was it a good life? No fruit. No fruit? There you go. Um, that's what he's asking you to do. He's asking you, he's asking you to compare new life to old life. What's the difference? What's the physical difference in your life? Um, 21, uh, 22, sorry. Uh, but now that you have been set free from sin, so you know, see how he's like, he's like, I've established it, but now that you know that you've been set free from sin, da 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 and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hope that sums it up for you guys. Like, I'd love to spend more time in that chapter, but just time-wise, probably can't, because we've got Ben doing his testimony as well tonight. Um, yeah, so good. I'm keen for that. A um, couple of objections. Um, flip over the page, or actually, might not necessarily be over the page, but Romans 7, right? People say, Nate, You've got to read Romans 6 in terms of Romans 7 because Romans 7 says, I do what I do not want to do and I, what I don't want to do, I do and I'm caught in this trap still. And it feels like Paul is saying that's his current uh, state. You, you guys know what I'm saying? I feel like that's his current state. But if you read 7 in the context of what we just read, you cannot possibly, possibly make that conclusion. Because Paul says dead, 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 like I said a billion different times, dead to sin, right? Then he goes, basically in Romans 7, this is my understanding of it, my explanation of it, is that he's talking to those who are under the law and the experience of what it was like under the law. And you can say that because, you know, in the original letter, there's no chapters. 
There's no verses. It's just one big letter. But we go, oh, but Nath, Romans 7. Romans 7, Nath. It's like, there, there is no Romans 7. There's Romans. Probably didn't have that, that name. It was just a letter that Paul wrote. Do you know what I mean? So, my understanding of that is that Paul is talking about his previous experience being under the law, which is what he says in the first few verses, talking about marriage. He's like, when you are under the law, you were married to the, to the old self, right? You couldn't escape from it, right? But marriage doesn't last when the person dies. Once the person dies, the marriage is broken off. And remember, Romans 6 says, you died. So the marriage to the old self broke off. And so you no longer have to be a slave to sin anymore. Does that make sense? So the rest of Romans 7, as you read it, there's, there's more to it than what I just said, but is talking about life under the law. And then you can even show that by Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? Because you're no longer under the law. You no longer have to do anything. It's all get-tos. Jesus. All right. The other one, and this is probably the biggest one. Flip over to 1 John for one sec. It's near the end of your Bible. Like, fourth last book or something. I don't know. Fifth. Always a one up. <laughs> Forgive it. Forgive it. 1 John 1. So people, people say, people say, you, you can't be free from sin. You're always going to sin because of 1 John 1, 10, right? It, and 1 John 1, 10 says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Okay, I actually agree with that. At the first time that you would read that, you probably would go, oh yeah, actually, technically that is saying you're always going to be sinning because anyone who says that they doesn't have sin is always going to be a liar. But let's read the verses around it and see if we can get a better picture of it. So start from verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of his son, sorry, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Highlight that cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, highlight that. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So, I'll read it a bit more in just a sec. But that, okay, if it's talking about day by day, if we say, um, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. If, it, if it's talking day by day, then you're, then you're right. But if he's talking big picture, which for me, all those verses that I just read are talking very big picture. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we walk in the light, we will be cleansed from all unrighteousness. We will be cleansed from all sin by the blood of Jesus. This is very big picture stuff, right? Huge. So I think verse 8 and verse 10, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves or we're, we're liars, right? Verse 8 and verse 10 are also big picture. So what I think that's saying is, if you're claiming to not have a need for a savior at all. Does that make sense? Rather than I'm not having, I, sorry, I'm always going to be sinning every single day. If we say we have no sin, right? What it's saying is, if you're, if you're trying to claim that you don't need Jesus at all, you don't need a savior at all because you've never sinned, well, then you're a liar and the word's not in you. 
everyone's sinned, everyone's fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone needs a savior. That's what I think it's saying. And you can prove that by keep reading. But, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I love that. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. <laughs> I'm writing them to you so you may not sin. Next. But if, wow, but if anyone, if, but if anyone, but if anyone, <laughs> but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And I heard this today from someone else. I didn't make this up, but someone goes, I think it was Chris Valentin. He was like, you see how it says we need an advocate when we sin? We actually need a lawyer to defend us when we sin. Do you know why we need a lawyer? Because every excuse that you had originally for sinning, Jesus has removed. So now you actually need a lawyer to defend you. Because before you could have said, well, I've got a sinful nature. Well, this, well, that. i am still got the old man. I'm still under the law, whatever. Yeah, actually you were. You're always going to continue to sin. But now you actually have no reason to, to say I'm still going to be sinning. Does that make sense? Removed every reason for you to go, I sinned because da 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 da. No, sorry, that's not okay. That is not okay. And therefore, you need an advocate, you need a lawyer, Jesus to defend you. Awesome. Um, let's keep reading. He is the propitiation for our sins, which means he took them away, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we, ha we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says, uh, sorry, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. See how blunt it is? So blunt. But whoever keeps his word um, in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says we abide in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, free from sin, in righteousness. It's right there, guys. Study it yourselves. Just read it. Just read it and receive it and believe it. That's it. It's so simple. It's right there. And then if you don't believe that, you can keep going and read uh, chapter 3. It is so explicit, just like, those who are born of God do not continue in sin. Those who are born of God do not continue in sin. They actually walk righteous, it says. You can go read that yourself. I don't have time for that. Um, anybody got time for that? Um, so, two questions that come up. People say, okay, Nath, are you saying that we're never going to sin again, that we're already perfect? I'm not saying that in terms of you are guaranteed to never sin again. You still can. You still can. You just, it's, you just, it's just no longer part of your nature. It's no longer predestined that you're going to be sinning like it was before because you were caught under the law, like I've already said, right? You can still sin. That's why it says 1 John. But if you do, like he gave you at least a little bit of wiggle room. If you do, Jesus, he's going to defend you. Do you know what I mean? But there's not a lot of wiggle room <laughs> because what you are called to is to live free from sin. The whole book of 1 John makes that so, so obvious. And don't be condemned right now. See, maybe you didn't even know this before you even came here tonight. You're like, Nath, I'm still in sin. I'm still, I'm so, I feel so crap right now. Like you make me feel horrible. Just, just receive it. That's the best thing you can do is just receive what I'm saying. Just receive his word and go, you know, you know what? Yeah, that's right. Like, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be sleeping with my girlfriend. I should, oh, what am I doing? Why am I still hanging out with those guys and getting, getting drunk every single Saturday night? It's been years now. I just got to, yeah, that's it. I know I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus. I, I know it's who I am. That's who I am. I've known it for so long. I'm, I'm sick of feeling guilty. I'm sick of feeling condemned and my conscience is seared. I'm over it. I'm sick of it. I'm done. That's a good response. Not like, oh, I feel so crap. 
God must hate me right now because even though I'm hearing this, this stuff about freedom from sin, I still can't even receive that. Don't do that. Follow the thoughts of the, the, thoughts of the mind that are going to lead you to life, lead you to Jesus, right? To live like Him. Awesome. Um, and another question that comes up is, so do we have to keep on repenting if we've been freed from sin? And what if we do sin? Like, do we have to keep on repenting? Okay, let me give you an example. Let's say we're, we're parents and we have children and our children do something wrong. Let's say you've got a boy and a girl and the boy whacks the girl in the face when they're young, right? And you're like, that ain't cool. I've got to make that right. So you go up to him and you say, you need to apologize to your sister right now because that was horrible. And he walks up to her and he goes, I'm sorry, and walks away. <laughs> is, is the parent in any way pleased by that? Probably not. What does the parent actually want? Okay, he wants genuine, right? But does he want genuine words? I'm so sorry I did that to you. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I hurt you. But the heart's just like, oh, I'll do it again tomorrow probably. <laughs> See, the, what God wants is not necessarily the words, oh God, I'm so sorry, I'm this, I'm that. You just repent by changing the way you think. You know what? That's so not me. That's so not me. Ah, that's repenting. That's what God's after. Because He's after leading you to life. He's not after you do, saying the words. He's not methodical like that. He's not like, just say, say this sentence and I'll forgive you. I just love that sentence when you say that sentence. <laughs> so good. Say, Father, forgiveth me for my sin of sins. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't speak King James, sorry. Um, you guys know what I'm saying? He's after the fruit of repentance. He's not after the sentence. He's after... Uh, are you going to keep on living that way? Do you still think, are you still going to keep on thinking that way and living that way? I want you just to stop doing that. And that's why when Jesus came, did Jesus, okay, when Jesus preached um, the Sermon on the Mount, did he make it easier or harder to follow the law? Harder. He goes, you say that you shall not have adultery with someone, but I say if you have even a lustful thought in your heart, you have already committed adultery with her. And so he goes, you don't get it. It's not about you ticking the boxes and say, oh, I never committed adultery in my marriage. It's about you having a heart that doesn't even, thinks that's repulsive. And that's the reality in Jesus because he gives you his heart. You know what I'm saying? Jesus. All right. My last little bit, then Ben's getting up here. Jesus' name. All right. Here's how to practically carry this out every single day if you're wondering. Don't fight your old man. Don't fight your sin. Don't go, oh, get out of here, devil. Duh, duh, duh. <laughs> you present yourselves to God. I am someone who has died to sin. That is who I am. I don't feel that way. I don't even experience that way. Last week, I didn't live that way. But that is who I am. Because, why? He said so. It is written. Am I right? That's faith. Elevating what he says above even your own life. That is who I am. That's it. Step one. That's it. It's a one-step program. Receive what he said. <laughs> it's so simple, guys. You make it so complex. Well, you've got to stop doing that, man. Put an internet filter on, dude. Get some accountability partners. Go to, a, go to a camp. Go to a conference. Just get away. Just pray. Holy Spirit. All these things. Just receive him. Receive him. I'm dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, God. Lift up praise and just go, wow. 
I don't feel it. I'm not, I'm not seeing the fruit of it yet, but I believe you. I believe your word is reality. I believe you even over what I think right now, what I feel right now. And that cycle of sin will break. You watch. Guaranteeing it. If you mean it from your heart, it's broken. It's over. It's done. In Jesus' name. Because you're a son. You're a daughter. You've been set free. You're not a slave anymore. You were a slave before, but now you're a son or a daughter. Jesus. All right. I preached way longer than I wanted to, but that always happens. Um, Benny boy, let's do it. Um, get up here. Um, the reason I asked Ben to do his testimony this week, I'll just... Chuck this mic on you as well. You can just hold it, maybe. Oh, maybe just hold it. Hold it? Yeah. Um, yeah, just hold it like that. Yeah. You don't want me to clip it on? You can't take it off, but like, I'll, I'll take it back. So. Oh, okay. I'll just hold it. it. I'll hold it. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. You can sit down. Okay. Um, the, reason, the reason I asked Ben to do his testimony this week is I knew this is kind of where Jesus was taking us. Is because this topic has been like pretty big to you, right? Yeah. Like understanding that you're no longer like you're no longer fighting yourself because you fought yourself for so long. Mm. And I watched you do it, and I was like, ah, oh, this hurts so much watching you try and fight, get a bit of bit, get a bit of ground, and then fall again. And it's just like, man, that's that can't be it. You know what I mean? So anyway, that, that's enough enough for me. But take it away. Sweet. Jesus. You sure? I'll just clip it on. Yeah, <laughs> um sweet i'm just gonna pray quickly before i start okay yeah father we just thank you so much yeah for how much you love each and every single one of us here and um yeah we just thank you that you're with us right now holy spirit in this room and yeah we just pray that everything that i say tonight will yeah be your words of spirit and life and that they'll touch people's hearts and none of us We'll have the same life after we leave this house. Oh, man. Amen. Sweet. So, um, yeah, my name's Ben, by the way. I'm 21, and I, yeah, Nathan asked me to share my story, so that's what I'm going to do. So, um, yeah, I've got brought up in Christian family with mum and dad over there. They're just awesome lovers of Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, legit, clap it out, but yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be here without them, I don't reckon, or Holy Spirit and God just loving on me, but um, yeah, I, so I grew up with that Christian family, but I kind of viewed God kind of as what I would say is like a medicine, so he wasn't my whole life, and Whenever I needed something, then I would go to him and I kind of needed to do good stuff for that medicine to work for me. And so, yeah, this life was just full of ups and downs and stress and being tired and depressed and anxious about everything. Yeah, and the worst of all about it was like, because I knew the truth was like, I felt so condemned because I was believing that I had to do all this good stuff and I couldn't do it because I was trying out of my own self being like, oh, I'm trying not to sin and just sin and then just be like, frick and just feeling like so condemned by all of that. 
And yeah, so when God's like a transcendent, far away God that you can't really relate to and you have to work for to use him, then there's no relationship. And yeah, when you're a slave working for approval, you don't get to see like any of his beauty or his majesty. And yeah, like what Nathan was just sharing before, like, like we can still, if we choose to, like live as slaves under the law if we want to. But, and that's what I was doing because I thought that's what you just did and it sucked. And you can't see good, that God's good at all. Like, because you're just always thinking like, oh, he's angry at me. He hates me. I hope I can just do a bit better tomorrow and I can't wait till heaven kind of thing. And um, yeah, so we can still live like under the law as slaves if we choose. But yeah, why the heck would we if... Jesus came down to fulfill the law and show the true character of God and unbox him and show us that he's actually love and mercy and grace and they're all held in perfect balance with his justice, truth and righteousness. Um, yeah, so I was going to just read very quickly about um, the parable that Jesus talks about with like the older and the younger son. Um Luke 15, whoops, I whacked the mic, sorry if that was loud. Um, okay, so basically Jesus is just teaching some people right now and I'll just read through it real quick and then kind of give you a little overview thing. So, And he said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to, no, to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound. But the older brother was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you might never give me a young goat that I might celebrate, celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this 
your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So, that's pretty awesome, I reckon, because that's God's heart for everyone, is that, yeah, he just loves you and wants to be your dad. And, yeah, I didn't really understand that at first. And so, at first in my life, I was living like the older brother at the end who was a slave. And, yeah, I found out that being a slave sucks because you can never earn enough to be worth anything because you're not receiving anything that he already paid for. Like Nath was saying, like, he's already made us good, so just receive it rather than trying to work for what he paid for. Like, that's the whole thing of what grace is. It's just, he did it, you take it. Wow, my phone keeps locking, sorry. But, um, yeah. So since that life wasn't satisfying me, I did this till I was probably like 18 or so. Um, I gave into like the temptation of partying and like chasing the weekend high kind of lifestyle as soon as school finished. And I was kind of living like a two-faced life for a few years, like doing drugs and stuff and like was really frothing on fitness and using all that to cope with like the emptiness and depression and stuff that I had inside. And then would like live my like religious like on Sunday and like be really good. And like it's tiring, it sucked. And yeah, so this could only last so long. And yeah, at the beginning of 2016, I crashed like a motorbike in Indonesia, well, a moped in Indonesia. And um, yeah, this, when I did that, like I munted up my shoulder and my knee and I was like out of action with all my fitness stuff for like, I don't know, most of last year. And so that was basically like one of my gods at the time, fitness. So. When that got taken away from me, like the like more of my emptiness just got shown to me and like that my hopelessness in my life and I was like, oh, this really like sucks without fitness and I can't really like deal with it, all my thoughts and like depression and stuff. And so then rather than turning to God then, I just like dove even further into like um, just like going after like little highs of like drugs and alcohol and stuff like that thinking that was like the best I could get and it was just producing like more and more like death and like emptiness and crapness in me and yeah I, I knew it but I couldn't do anything about it like I was just living like Nathan was saying basically just a slave to sin and I was like I can't stop this right now and I know it sucks but I was just doing it and like I was breaking mum and dad's hearts and being the worst example of an older brother to my little bros over there. And I was like purposely running from God because I, could, I knew I could never reach him from walking to him. And people were trying to help me, like mum and dad especially. They were just like planting truth in me all the time. But like I wouldn't receive anything. And like the way they described it is they just see like death in my eyes when they're talking to me and nothing would go in. But they just stayed faithful in prayer and their life regardless. And... Yeah, after me continuing this place for a few more months in like 2016, in um, about like May, I Holy Spirit kind of started moving in me. I was like, I didn't know what it was. It was Holy Spirit though. Um, <laughs> to just start reading the Bible again. And so I just started at the beginning of the New Testament in Matthew. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to like read it because I don't know. <laughs> I was just so over everything in life. I was like, may as well try something. 
And so I just started and then I was like, well, this is actually like, I don't know, better than what I remembered. And so then I ended up reading the whole New Testament because I was like pretty into it and noticed that I'd missed so much awesome stuff and yeah, what the word was really about and reading it really challenged how I was living and how like we as a body in, as the church were operating and like I wasn't really sure if I was allowed to walk in all the Bible had said because I'd kind of been told by religion that I wasn't allowed to and but yeah what I heard and read in the Bible sounded flippant good and it made me like really hungry for something more than what I was living right now but yeah I, I wasn't like sure if I if it was legit or not so I was kind of still living that double lifestyle but yeah, God was still like teaching me stuff. And then out of the blue, like Nath Gillespie, um, my old youth leader, thanks to Holy Spirit, messaged me to see if I wanted to catch up. And yeah, I knew that you were frothing on Jesus and the gospel. And so I was like, yeah, okay, sweet. Um, see if he like knows how to help me basically or something. And then, yeah, we caught up and you were just sharing with me like the truth of the gospel of the kingdom about my identity being defined by Jesus and not what I'd done. And yeah, reassured me that what I read in the Bible is not like only just okay to live out now, but like it's what we're made for to live it out. And yeah, also um, that like the Bible's actually made for us to see who we are, which I'll just quickly jump to James 1. Um, 26, okay, hmm, <coughs> no, not James 1, 26, <laughs> where is it? It's the one about the mirror? Oh, James, yeah, James 1. Yeah, I thought so. Oh, yeah, 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 it's the one before. <coughs> so, yeah, sorry, it was a few verses before. So, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So, the Bible's like actually made for us to read as a mirror. And we're supposed to look in it and see ourselves and be like, oh, this is who I am. And I was like, yeah, I did not know that. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> like you read it and it's, it actually teaches you about who you are. And yeah, Nath gave me some podcasts to listen to as well, which I really didn't think that I would actually listen to because I never listened to talks at all. But I listened to the first one on the Monday after we caught up on the Friday. And yeah, I felt like everything I'd seen in the Bible that was challenged, like the guy was speaking, just delivered it in like, the most simple way because the gospel is simple and I tried to just make it so confusing but it's just what it says it means and I was like what the heck my mind just got blown and from when I started to listen to those yeah my brain was getting exploded because I tried to fit God inside my head and all the different amazing parts of him and who I was there was just there's too much to fit inside your head because he's a big God. So my brain exploded. And yeah, after that, <laughs> I saw in the worship night group that someone shared about like God talking to them when they were running. 
uh, which was weird because I didn't really know that God talked to you as well. But then it reminded me of something that happened two months earlier that I completely forgot about, which was like God had actually came and spoken to me. And so I will read you what he said because it was pretty awesome. Um, okay, so this was like one night. This was while I was reading through the New Testament, still pretty lost, but seeing that there's something there in the New Testament, but didn't really. So I was still lost though. And I came home after like a night of like doing some stuff. And then um, I was like coming down from it while I, and I was just like out the back of the house, just feeling like just depressed and over life and being like, I don't know. And then I was looking up in the sky and like it was all dark, which was like felt nice to me for some reason. And then there was the moon, which is annoying me so much because it was just this one bit of light. And I was like, ah, oh, this is just pissing me off. So I, went, so I went inside to go to sleep and shut all my curtains, closed the door just to make it as dark as I could so that I could go to sleep. And then when I went to lie down on my bed, randomly a light just appeared in my room. And I was like, what the heck? How is there a light in my room right now? And then <laughs> as soon as I realized that I had no idea where a light in my room came from, um, God just started to speak to me uh, about who I actually was and how he saw me regardless of where I was. And so he said, your life has crowded me out. You've surrounded me and swore me in darkness. Let my light fill your life and you will see me and what life should be. Have faith in my love and it will bring you perseverance and in turn character. This will show you that you can do all things through Christ. I will strengthen you and my plans aren't to harm you but to prosper you. Faith is all it takes. You can move mountains with my power and the hope I bring you. Rest in my arms, child, and let me guide you on that path. Stop running from my embrace. My love for you is endless. You will see these fruits through having faith in that light you can see. Don't lose heart, child. I chose you and I will bring fruits from you. Your harvest will be plentiful in my name. I will let you use my name when you are filled with my light. Call on me, child. Do not run or fear, for I am with you. I will not forsake you. My son has paid the price. The Spirit of God is in you. Share the treasure. Do not hide my light. It is the attraction and beauty within you. Stay strong, little one. Rejoice in your weakness, for that is my strength. Faith will bring you hope, which will fill you with love. This love will overflow for all to see. This is where you will harvest in my name, and I will call people to me through you. Do not fear. Do not run. I am here. Okay, sorry. That just rocks me every time, because flip. God just loves you guys so much, regardless of where you are. He's just, no matter where you're running, God's faster than you, don't worry. He's right behind you with his arms open wide, just like, please, just receive my hug. And like, what the heck? All I did was like, be like, oh, I got tired from running. I was like, this sucks. Can't do anything. And then God's just like, and I'm like, oh, whoa. And he's just like, just love. He's not angry at you. He flipping loves you so much. And he just hugged me. And I'm still getting hugged by him, and that's all it is. You just get <laughs> hugged by him the rest of your life. That's what Christianity is. It's just relationship. So seriously, guys, if you haven't turned and received his hug, 
receive it. And if you're getting hugged by him, ask him to hug tighter because it's good. Okay. So, um, yeah, after I read that, I realized that everything God had said to me then was starting to happen and that he loved me regardless of where I was, what I was doing or what I had done or what I was going to do and that he showed me how much I'm worth and how much he loves me through how much he paid to get me back. So when I'd settled in my heart how awesome and loving God really was, I was able to trust him with my life. And this time I didn't just say that I gave him my life. I actually gave him my life. And I decided in my heart that I'll believe whatever I saw in the word because his word will remain even when heaven and earth are going to pass away. And the importance of faith in the truth of the word being our reality, not what we see in the world. And when we grip faith in what Jesus' blood has paid for, and we fix our eyes on Jesus and see ourselves through his eyes and then what his blood paid for, it begins to become manifest in our lives because it's what he's paid for. It's like the, he has made us a righteous tree and you're just like, oh, wow, I'm a righteous tree. Righteousness just pops out fruit and it just becomes because <laughs> Jesus made. <laughs> so... I used to think I could only experience very low amounts of what Jesus' blood paid for now on the earth. But when I stepped out in faith in his word and decided to never raise it above what I was feeling or what was happening around me, um, then his word began to make reality around me the way that he intended it. And shifting my mentality from trying not to sin to wanting to know God more, and see myself and others through his eyes completely changes the way you live because what you focus on you are drawn towards and if you focus on not seeing in your own strength but believing you have to sin then you're inevitably going to sin and probably sin more than if you weren't even thinking about sin in the first place and so yeah I decided I'm going to just believe his word from what he says and that it's the that it's reality and that the only trustworthy thing is these pages and yeah when I did that the whole Bible just started to come to life and I just couldn't stop reading it and every spare second I get I just want to read it because it's so good and it shows us who we are and who God is when we're reading with the Holy Spirit who lives in us and guides us into all truth and then my sin just started to fall off me because my motives changed from um, trying not to sin and to looking who God made me to be, like what Nath was saying about just shifting that mentality on um, like sinner to actually righteous. And it's like, all I did was be like, oh, well, I'm just going to believe his word because his word says it. And then it just starts to fall off. And to be honest, one day I was like, what the heck? Like, I haven't even been trying not to sin at all. And I don't even want to. And like, no. It's just all falling off me. And then, yeah, when you receive the identity that God has given you with thankfulness through the eyes of grace, it becomes all about relationship with you, your father and your big brother, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And all you want to do is just know each other more and hang out. 
But yeah, I just want to challenge you guys to take God for his word because he literally raised it above his name, the most powerful thing that exists. And yeah, you have to get really humble and accept that you might not know everything and you might not see it all now, but truth sets you free. So do it because you'll be free. <laughs> and when, Sorry, that's just it's pretty good. It's, it's joy of the Lord. You get free from truth. And when you do that, you'll be able to receive that God is truly good because it is written that, like what Nate literally just read in 1 John, that in him is light and there is no darkness. I read that just after I decided that I believe the Bible and I was like, that doesn't make sense to my head, but I'm just going to believe it. And then I was like, all my preconceived ideas of God just started to fall away because you just unbox God and let his word be who he is, not who you think he is. And it's like, does it say that in him there is light and there is no darkness? Okay, then he is just light and there is no darkness. So no darkness can come from him because he's all light. And... Um, <clears throat> he, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. That you are truly free from sin because it's written that you are. Nate just read it to us in Romans 6 and that God truly made you his son, and that Jesus did all the work before you were even born. So just chill out, because he finished it already. And it's like, don't be like, gotta chill out, gotta chill out, gotta chill out. It's just because we do that. We're just like, oh, I gotta rest, gotta rest, gotta rest, gotta rest. It's like the, the reason that he actually made us to be able to rest is so we can spend time with him. Like he did it all. So we don't need to worry about doing anything. You just hang with him. It's like, oh, wow, it's good. Because, yeah, he gave us rest to hang with him. And then once you hang with him, you're like, oh, man, this is good. I've got to go tell people about this. And so then you just love people from the overflow of your heart and just receiving his love. And it just, yeah, becomes about knowing him, loving him. You love others because his love comes from the Holy Spirit and it wells up as a spring and then rivers of living water flow out with it, producing humility, love, faith, rest, peace. You can be his son, be loved, accepted, redeemed, and reconciled, which means brought back to the way you were made. That was pretty good, by the way, the way we were made. If you read Creation, how it was, I liked it. Um, so my worth was defined by what Jesus paid he paid with his life and precious perfect blood so my worth is what the creator put on my life not what other people have said and this frees you from anything anyone else says and to see others worth and be able to love them because you see how much they're worth because Jesus paid that exact same price for them as well and that we with a joy set before Jesus. So it's like he was he was up there just like frothing with God in heaven and they were just having the best like chilling times. And um, then Adam and Eve stuffed up and he's like, just like, come on, send me, please, please, please. I would love to go down. I'm actually, and because he sees the joy set before him, which was us having relationship with us. And that is all... Like he did it all just so he could know each and every one of you because he loves you. And 
yeah, he actually emptied himself of his divinity. So he was still fully God, but he, all his divinity got emptied. And then he came as a man to this earth. <coughs> and think about this as well. Like, so the God of the universe sat inside Mary's womb for nine months doing nothing. Just being like, not even thinking because he was a baby. <laughs> and then he got born. <laughs> like, what the heck? Why would you do that? <laughs> That's not even the good part yet. <laughs> Seriously. And then he was a kid. Um, yeah, just, just think the God of this world came and he was a kid. Then he was a teenager. Then he was an adult. He worked. And then he got persecuted, brutalized, beaten, killed, and separated from his father. All just so that he could know each and every one of you. Because he loves you. And you can't love Jesus without just receiving his love. And you can't receive his love if you don't think he's good. You won't. And you won't think he's good if you think he's the author of every work in this world. And so my mind was actually really at war with this because I had like weird views of um, how stuff happened in the world. But then, thankfully, Jesus guided me to John 10. And... um. This was after I'd said I believed the Bible, so I'll just read this to you as well. So this is basically <clears throat> the Pharisees um, had misinterpreted God's character. Everyone had because um, all they'd seen him through was the eyes of the law. And so Jesus is just coming and being like, this is actually the character of the Father and I'm going to show you guys through the Good Shepherd. And so he goes, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, sorry, but climbs in by another way, that, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So he tried to explain to the Pharisees there about, um, yeah, the character of God and that um, he's straight up. He won't be like a sneaky robber going through the side, but um, only a thief does that. And yeah, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And yeah, when the sheep hear his name, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not know. Blah, blah, blah. They didn't really get it. And then Jesus is like, okay, I'll try and say it another way. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. Not me, by the way, I'm pointing to me, but it's Jesus. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So I just decided to believe verse 10, that the thief is the one that comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The thief's the devil, by the way. Um, and Jesus came 
that we have, may have life and have it abundantly and that he would lay down his life for his sheep because he's good. And <clears throat> Jesus came to reveal who the Father was. So he just revealed him in a nutshell there, basically. And I was like, okay, so anything that produces life, that's from Jesus. Anything that produces death, that's from Satan. You can basically polarize it. It makes everything pretty straightforward. And so then when I realized that he actually was good, I could receive his love fully. Oh man, it's so good when you receive his love fully. And you can, you can start to see the massive price that he actually paid for us. And like, oh, just, just how much we are actually worth to him. And I just wanted to quickly play a song, which the song is usually... Oh, dang, it's low battery. <laughs> Just sing it for us. Yeah. Oh, I don't have a guitar and I can't play guitar. <laughs> oh, I forgot the first problem, but anyways. Okay. Um, I'm just going to see how long it plays for, hopefully the whole thing. But usually this song is for us to sing to Jesus, but I was just on the bus on the way home listening to this and Jesus was like, because I'm just always in communion with him, receiving his hug like we should be. And um, he was like, switch it because I'm singing this to you right now. And it's talking about basically how much he's willing to... Um, like how much he thinks we're worth and how much he was willing to pay for us and not willing but joyfully jumped to do it. So just chill, like close your eyes and just listen to, um, yeah, really listen to the words and just, just get with Jesus right now because he's singing this to you and saying how much you're worth. And yeah, we didn't deserve it at all because of what we'd done, but we're worth it because he just paid the price for it and it's flipping a lot of expensiveness, that price. So just, yeah, I'll just stop talking. You can listen up. Amen. 
couple things that might, that may have felt like like Nath picked Ben so he could like tell his testimony so he could like show how good Nath was pointing him to this podcast like I promise that was not even what I was thinking <laughs> but I tell you what's cool is that in that moment when like me and Ben met up we literally met up once and I fully reaped where I did not sow like I sowed a little bit like you know what I mean like I sowed seeds as, as his youth leader and stuff but you know who sowed his parents his parents sowed and sowed and sowed and sowed and prayed and prayed and prayed and believed God. And then when I got there, I was already ready. I was like, here you go, here's a podcast. And then Ben's mind just blows up. It's just like, <laughs> I didn't do that. I did not, Holy Spirit did that, but because seeds were sown in his life. So you guys are amazing. Like that shows you. You guys want to know the power of prayer? This is the power of prayer. Legit. A year ago, he's not this guy. Like, I, I, was, I was hanging out with you and you're not this dude. Like, you're, just not, even, you're not even close to this dude. It's just crazy. It's because you guys prayed and then Holy Spirit moved on all over that. So, pray. Pray for your friends. Yeah, and his brothers. And his brothers. Come on. More. Jesus. Oh, so good. Um, I'm going to read one last thing out over everyone. So, close your eyes. This is just Bible. This is Romans 8. I don't know what translation this is, but it's freaking awesome. Romans 8, 12 and 13. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Just... As you got your eyes closed, just put your hand up if you want life. Like I know, I know right now, Holy Spirit is moving on some people's hearts here. I can feel it. 
He's saying, you need more. You need more of me. You don't have it. So be bold and put your hand up. And then me and Ben and a few others are going to come around and pray for you. And just release the favor of God over you. So put your hand up and just say, I want this. It's so simple, but be bold and do it. Don't leave, don't leave here without wearing on your heart and not do anything about it. Just say, look, and if you're not Christian, put your hand up if you want Jesus. <laughs> it's the best decision you will ever make. And I have no religious obligation in saying that because that's what Christians are supposed to say. It's literally my experience, my life, every single day, no regrets. Jesus is freaking amazing. He's who you were created to be and be like. So put your hand up, be bold. Just be bold, put your hand up right now. Like We're just going to go around and start praying for you. Jesus, just open yourself up, guys. Just want him. Just say, I want that. That's how far it goes. That's how easy it is. It's so simple. Thank you, Jesus.